over and over again, so that the Word of God will be in your spirit. Be a blessing, share it with your friends, and we pray that you'll be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We also invite you to visit us online at www.anifbeijing.com. We're going to get into this purge right now, and we're going to continue on where we left off. So let's go forward here. And I left off with the fact that God will purge to accomplish his plan. And we read here in John chapter 15, verse 1 and 2, Jesus said, I am the true vine. And I explained something so profound, in-depth, powerful, and revelatory that I, I really want to encourage you, go back and watch Tuesday's broadcast and see what I taught about the first five verses of John 15, verse 1, from the first five verses, I am the true vine. Those five verses there I broke down in such a revelatory fashion, you have to watch the broadcast from Tuesday. You can just, as a matter of fact, I have it, I believe it's, it's on podcast too. So you can just go to iTunes and listen to the podcast where we cut out a lot of the greeting portion to get right into the message. So here he says, I am the true vine. And my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it. Purges it. The purge. We'll go back there. Five. The purge. We're talking about the purge. Every branch that bears, there it is, that bears not fruit, he purgeth it that it may bring forth much fruit. That it might bring forth much fruit. There we go. So let's get back to me here. I shared that scripture, and this the foundation of scripture that we're teaching about the purge. And really, we're, we're coming on this first message looking at at the places in scripture where God had purged and the extreme purging is death if there is a church that is being troubled by some person that is opposing the church whether it's a witch a warlock whether it's a christian and they're opposing that church and that church deals with that thing in prayer, it couldn't cost that person's life that's blocking the work of God. And we saw this in Genesis chapter 38 with Onan. So I'll turn there real quickly. Uh, we saw that with Onan here in Genesis 38. It says in verse 38 verses, uh, well, actually, let's go back quick here. 
Genesis 38, verse 7, it says that our, Judah's firstborn, was wicked in the sight of God, and God killed him. He slew him. And as for Onan, our younger brother, Moses writes, the thing which he did displeased the Lord, wherefore God killed him also. God slew him also. So we see that God had killed these two people because they were in the line of fire. The Bible says that they were wicked. And we talked about on the last lesson what their wickedness was. You know, the wickedness of Ar was that he was Judah's son. And his father, Judah, had found a beautiful girl by the name of Tamar for him to marry so that his son could marry her and give birth to a child. And so he refused to impregnate Tamar because he didn't want Tamar's body. And I talked about this on Tuesday. He didn't want to produce a, a child or produce after his kind, which God called us to do. He didn't want to produce after his kind with Tamar because, because he didn't want his wife's body to become less attractive. He didn't want her boobs to sag and her, her thighs to widen out. And, you know, he wanted to keep her tight, young, attractive. It was a very carnal and very fleshly, a very immature thinking process and, and, and feelings that he had. He didn't want her body to change. He married this, this sexy mama, and he wanted her to stay a, a sexy mama without being a mama, if you understand what I mean. So as a result, he wouldn't impregnate her, and God had to have Judah to produce a child for him to have a child that would have another child because Jesus had to come through the lineage of the tribe of Judah. The Messiah was going to come through the, he was going to be the line of the tribe of Judah. So he would have to come through Judah's offspring. But his son didn't want to have a baby. So he, his sin which I'm, you know, I said this the other day, he's not the only dummy to think like that. There's a lot of guys that have thought like that. He's not the only dummy in history to think like that, but he's the only one that God killed because his sin was directly blocking the plan of God. So he was removed. Do you understand that? His sin was blocking the plan of God. So he was removed. Now we go on and we see that the same thing happened with his brother, Onan. And we read on Tuesday that Onan, his brother, was supposed to step up to the plate and marry Tamar, release his seed in her through sexual relation, and she was supposed to give birth to that son that would carry the lineage. But he didn't want to give his seed to her because he wanted the credit, he wanted the glory. So now he was killed as well. So now, just be, but Onan and Ar, they were killed because 
they were simply in the line of fire. They were in the blockage of God's plan. And that Tamar was Judah's daughter-in-law. She had to reproduce after Judah's kind. She had to give birth to a seed that would be in the Messiah's bloodline. So this is where we left off on Tuesday. And we're going to pick up here at Genesis 38, verse 8 and 10. Let's read together. It says that Judah said to Onan, Go into thy brother's wife and marry her. And raise up seed to thy brother. In other words, your child is not going to be in your name. It's going to be in the name of R, your brother. And this later on, under Moses' law that, that came in Sinai, this became the law. That if, So here we see the first time where God said for them to do this. But we see later on, this becomes a law. Why? Because in this type of scenario or situation where the seed carrier of the line of, 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 the, of the line, L-I-N-E, from the, uh, the, the lineage of Judah had to continue on. So if one spouse died and failed to impregnate the wife, then it would be the responsibility of the brother to do so. So, so, this child's not going to be in their in the brother's name. It's going to be in the name of the his older brother that should have gave birth. So verse 9 says, Onan knew that his seed should not be his. You see? That's what I just said. Onan knew that this baby that she gives birth to through his sperm would not be accredited to him. So it came to pass that when he went into his brother's wife, that he spilled it on the ground. This is called in the uh, sexual arena, this is called the pull-out method, which actually, from what, from what I have seen from my experience, uh, this, this has not worked. <laughs> in a lot of situations, this has not worked. But... This is what was, you know, that what he was doing. He was using the pull-out method. Now, when I was in uh, Bible college, people used this verse to say that God was against uh, masturbation. And while this is not a, a sermon about masturbation, let me, and people in Bible college, they would ask the teachers, like, well, what if I do it with my wife? What if my wife, you know, like, People would just like, you would be surprised at the kind of questions that kids ask in Bible school, you know. <laughs> Probably uh, most of those kids shouldn't even been asking those questions because they're just 18 and not even married yet, you know. But, you know, <laughs> it just goes to show what's in the mind of all these young men in Bible school, you know. So they, so the, the, th the thought was brought up and the teaching was brought up in Bible school that God was against masturbation based upon this scripture spilling the seed on the ground. Now, let me just remind you again that that's out of that's not scriptural. That's not contextual because it wasn't that he spilled the seed on the ground, it's that he spilled the seed on his ground that he should have been the Messiah's seed. So, he was in the line of fire. He was judged and killed 
for doing something that other people were doing and had been doing for thousands of years. But because his sin was blocking the plan of God, that's why he was killed. And it says that he spilled it on the ground, least he should give his seed to his brother. Verse 10. And the thing which he did displeased the Lord. Wherefore, or that's why, wherefore means that's why, wherefore God slew him also. God slew him also. So we see here, Onan's reason for not producing after his kind, not producing from his seed was different in reason. So let me say it like this, because I, I, I have a I have a note here. And in my note, I, I, I need to ex, I need to put in the word not. So let me just say it again. Onan's reason for not producing seed after his own kind was not okay okay i actually i did say it rightly the first time sorry about that so let me i want to say it carefully because i want you to get this okay onan's reason for not producing after his own kind was a different reason than ours reason it was a different purpose, a different intention. The sin was not different. That's what I want to say, not. The sin was not different. Both of them spilled their seed on the ground. It was the same exact sin, but the intentions of their sins were different. However, the intentions, they say the road to hell is paved with good intentions. However, their intentions, it didn't matter. Their intentions did not factor in why and why not. They were not killed by God. The fact that they did it is the reason they were killed by God. The fact that they blocked the plan of God is the reason that they were killed by God. Now, I understand you have to be careful here because theologically you could go far left or right with this, but these are the facts, just the facts, okay? They were killed by God for what they did. What they did, millions of people were doing around the world at that time and to this time and even before that, but their sin happened to be in the line of fire. It was blocking the plan of God. And so regardless of what the reason was, it cost them their lives. Amen. So the reasons were different in that R didn't want Tamar to change physical shape through pregnancy. Onan didn't want to give his seed to his brother's name. He wanted his seed to be named after himself. So what's that? That's that's vain glory. That's glory. He wanted glory. 
Ours sin was he wanted the sexy girl. So R wanted the sexy girl. Onan wanted the glory. Two G's. Gold, glory, and girls are three G's that my spiritual grandfather, Dr. Lester Summerall, had warned the body of Christ about, and particularly pastors. He said, beware of the three G's. If you can avoid the three G's and the lust for three G's, you can have success in ministry. But the three biggest pitfalls for pastors and ministers are the three G's. It's the gold, the glory, and the girls. These are the three most common pitfalls for men of God. And we see here with R, it was the, the, the girls. He wanted the, he wanted his 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 wife to be a sexy mama by not ever becoming a mama. And then we see that Onan, he wanted his name to be glorified. He wanted to be in the lineage and, and of Jesus Christ. And Joseph and Mary beget Jesus, and 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 her father was this guy and that guy, and then you know. You could read it. Let me, let me just read it to you, so just so you get a picture of it. You know, I, I probably should waste my time memorizing this <laughs> this genealogy because uh, it's anointed. It's anointed. As Luke three thirty four says, uh, matter of fact, let's just start all the way from the top. Let's start from, uh, or, or should I go backwards? Let's start from twenty three. Jesus was 30 years of age, being the son of Joseph, who was the son of Heli, who was the son of Mathat, who was the son of Levi, which was the son of Melchi, which was the son of Jana. And it goes on and on and on to, to verse uh, 34, which was the son of Jacob, which was the son, matter of fact, let me, let me go up to 30, 33, which was the son of Aminadab, which was the son of Aram, which was the son of Esram, which was the son of Perez, which was the son of Judah. Remember verse 33, which was the son of Perez, which was the son of Judah. Luke 3 says Perez was the son of Judah. But the birthright wasn't to Perez. We'll talk about Perez later on. The birthright, he, he was Puerto Rican. Perez was a Puerto Rican. Amen. The birthright was supposed to go to Onan. And then, excuse me, to R. Then Onan was supposed to give him the baby. And it would have said Judah, which was the son of his father, Judah, which was the son of Jacob, and then it would have said R, which was the son of Judah, but it doesn't say R, which was the son of Judah. It says Perez, which was the son of Judah. Why? Because Perez is the one that had to give birth to Esram, who would give birth to Aram, who would give birth to Abinadab, and, and all the way down to Jesus Christ. From Joseph to Jesus. You see that? So now we see Perez is the son of Judah, not R and not Onan. 
because they were killed by God. So Onan, he wanted his name to be in Luke chapter 3. Onan wanted to say Onan, which was the son of Judah. Judah, which is the son of Jacob, which is the son of Isaac, which is the son of Abraham. He wanted his name to be in the history books. In other words, he was concerned with his legacy. He wanted his name to be on the flyer. He wanted his name to be etched on the stone brick of the church. He wanted his name to be in the annals of histories and the writings of Josephus and the scripts of the Dead Sea Scrolls. To him that has ears, let him hear what I'm saying to you today. If you're a preacher, you better ask why you want yourself to be seen. Why you want yourself to be heard? Why you want yourself to be recognized? Why you want yourself to be remembered? So many big wigs in American pop Christianity are consumed with their legacy, talking about their legacy, leaving a legacy. That is vain glory, and that's what... Onan was murdered for by God. Killed, not murdered, killed by God. For looking to establish his own legacy. Getting in the way of what God's plan was. My God. Preachers, you better beware. Why? Because the Bible says you'll receive a greater damnation. It's one thing to want to build a legacy and build a, an IBM or to build a, an Apple or to build a, a, you know, a corporation. It's another thing to want to build a ministry in your name. Vain glory. So let's continue on. So Onan, because of vain glory, he let his seed fall to the ground and not reproduce after his own kind. Let's take a look here. Now this message is at its strategic inflection point. Now this message is going to, I know all of you thought that the purge was about you know, sitting Christians and sitting preachers and those who would not repent. And that's kind of how it appears, the direction of this message is and the truth that we're extrapolating from this message. But actually, all of what that we said has led to this point is that Onan was killed by God, slew by God, for not producing after his own kind. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Let's take a look here at this verse together. Genesis 1, 26. God said, Let us make man in our image. Whew! 
This is going to be a heavy revy right here. A heavy revy. Are you ready? God said, let us make man in our image. Then verse 28, God said, God blessed them and God said, now you make man in your image. Whew. Did you catch that? God said, let us make man in our image. Then he blessed man. And then after he blessed them, he said, now man, you make men after your own image. So we get back to Luke chapter 3. Verse 34, let's read this. It says, which was the son of Jacob, which was the son of Isaac, which is the son of Abraham, which is the son of Thara, which is the son of Nacor, which is the son of Saruk, which is the son of Ragu, which is the son of Phalek, which was the son of Heber. Hebrew is where we get the word Hebrew. Uh, Heber was the father of the Hebrew people, the father of the Hebrew language from Heber, which was the son of Salah, which was the son of Canaan, which is the son of Arphaxad, which was the son of Shem, which is the son of Noah, who was the son of Lamech. Now you're starting to recognize some names. <laughs> Amen. Which was the son of Methuselah, which was the son of Enoch, which was the son of Jared, who was the son of Malil, who was the son of Canaan, who was the son of Enos, who was the son of Seth, who was the son of Adam, who was the son of Look what it says here. Who was the son of God? Did you catch that? Which was the son of Lamech, which was the son of Methuselah, which was the son of Enoch, which was the son of Jared, which was the son of Malia, which was the son of Canaan, which was the son of Enos, which was the son of Seth, which was the son of Adam, which was the son of God. Genesis 1. 26. God said he's going to make a man after his image and then he blessed them and he told them to make man after your image. So in other words, God told Adam to do what I did. I made a man after my image. Now you go and make men after your image. That was the command of heaven. And that Adam was did this, and, 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 and in, the, in the line was, was Cain was, was, you know, he was banished for killing his brother Abel. Abel was supposed to be, Abel was like, he was supposed to be the one, was supposed to be Abel to give birth to the next seed that would give birth in the lineage. But Cain killed Abel. And because he did that, God banished Cain, and then God had to raise up another son. Why? To carry on the lineage of Messiah from Adam to Joseph to his son, Jesus. He had to carry the lineage. Amen. Are you following me? So now God says, let us make man our image. And then he tells man, you make men and women in your image. In other words, the first commission 
that God gave to humans was to reproduce after your own kind. In other words, make disciples. Make disciples. That was the very first commission of God. Make disciples. First thing he told Adam, make disciples. I have made you after my image. Now you go and make disciples. The purge. Well, you might be thinking right now, oh, wait, wait a minute, uh, Bishop Castillo, that's... That's out of context. Uh, doesn't verse 28 mean to have babies? To, to go and be fruitful, multiply? Isn't that talking about babies? No. God said to make sons by flesh or by spirit raise up sons after your own kind. Now, I've been teaching for weeks about the difference between childbearing. Anybody can have a child. It doesn't take a man to have a child. It takes a male to have a child. It takes a male to have a child, not a man. It takes a man to have a son. What's the difference between having a child and having a son? Having a child, any male can do. But to have a son requires fathering. To have a son requires parenting. To have a son requires mentorship and discipleship and training. And in verse 28, he didn't say have a child. He said, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. That word to be fruitful, and that means to take, in the Hebrew, it means to take what you have and develop the potential within it. The first commission of God is to not have a babies, not to have children, but to have sons, to, to, to give birth to seed and to take that seed and develop its potential. Fathering is in the very first chapter of the Bible. It was the command of God to human beings, to Adam, the first man, to be a father, to make disciples, to develop the potential of that which is around you, that which is inside of you, to release that seed, impregnate the woman, give birth, and then the job is not done when it gives birth because a male, any male can do that, but to be a man, the job begins. And then for the next 30, 40, 50, 60 years, possibly, even as a great father at 60, 70 years of, of age, would allow his, his 30, 40-year-old son to, to come to him and put his head in his, his bosom and, and cry when he's going through problems and stress. And, 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 and a father at 60, 70 years old of age could take their son and still speak words of encouragement in his son's life as if his son was four years old. Wow. Being a father was the first command to God. 
not to have children. We, we've been studying in my church on Sundays. You can watch my series on Sundays. Leading up to this point, I've been teaching about the difference between sons and, 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 and children in the Greek. In Romans chapter 8, it talks, the, the scripture says, if you believe, let me, let me read that to you real quick here. Romans chapter 8. Let me read this to you here. My congregation knows this because I've been preaching this to them. But Romans chapter 8 says that our spirit, let's take a look here, in, in verse 16, that our spirit bears witness that we are the children of God. You could, in the natural realm, if I have, you know, I mean, everyone has a, has a, everyone has a, a, a male that they sprang from. They have a male seed that they came from. And if I was like a child, my, my father was shot and killed as a boy, but I, I, I know his name and, and so forth. I've seen pictures of him. I don't really know him. I know his name. I've seen pictures of him. But if, for example, I came from a, a, a situation where my mother had given birth to me and I never knew who the dad was, well, I can find out who gave who, who seeded me through DNA testing. The DNA testing would bear witness to who my fleshly father is. The DNA test would bear witness to who my fleshly father is. Well, in the spirit realm too, when you're born again, the Holy Spirit, your spirit will bear witness with your spirit who the children of God are who's born again. It'll bear witness. But verse 14 says, not children, but it says sons. Watch this, verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. One word, child, is the word in the Greek, technon, technon. So verse 18, 16 says the technon. The Spirit bears witness that you're a technon. The DNA test will bear witness that you're the technon of your dad. But sons, the proof of a son is that you're led by the Spirit. So now, let's take in the natural. Say my deadbeat dad knocked up my mother in the backseat of a car at the bar. So actually, my DNA test would bear witness that that was my natural, natural, you know, seed provider. I don't want to call him a father because father connotates fathering. That's my natural seed provider. But then, you know, my, my, my mother never seen him again. She married a nice, good man. Say a man, you know, like, you know, a, 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 a wise, savvy businessman. Say a Robert Kiyosaki. She married a Robert Kiyosaki. And now, I'm raised by a Robert Kiyosaki. And you'll see my the way I talk and the way I act and the way I stand and the way I think and the way I invest and the way I do business. But that's Robert Kiyosaki's son. How do you know I'm a son? Because I, my, 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 my life has the aroma of the fathering of Robert Kiyosaki. So I'm a son by who fathered me. You see what I'm saying? You're not a child by who fathered you. You're a son by who fathered you. So we get here to Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. 
he wasn't saying to just, uh, uh, you know, just knock up a bunch of women and populate the planet. No, he said be fruitful. In the Greek, it means take from what the, the, the seed and develop the potential. In other words, father children. Now, maybe after the fall, maybe Adam was so self-consumed with his own issues and dysfunctionality. Obviously, I, I, I have to assume, obviously there was a breakdown in the fathering of Cain. Maybe he paid more attention to Abel. Maybe he endeared. Maybe Abel was, was Adam's favorite. And Cain always had to kind of prove his love and didn't get the, the love from Adam that he should have got. So he tried to cheat his way into God's love by killing Abel and then bringing his sacrifice. But there's nothing hidden before God. Have you ever thought about that? What were the, the 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 social issues in the construct of Adam and Eve's family? You know, Adam already had a backwards following his wife. She should have been following him. We know the Bible says that Eve would deceive not Adam. He knew better. He should have been the head of that household. But the first Adam had dysfunctionality. And, it, and his dysfunctionality appeared through his children. That's why... The greatest ministry credential that you have is not an ordination paper, but it's your children. Can I look at your children and see that you qualify to be a minister of God? I know that's a hard word for Americans because we've so messed up our kids in America. Can I look at your children and see qualifications for ministry? Can I look at your wife and see qualifications for ministry? That's another sermon there. God purged Enoch, Enos, excuse me, Onan, Onan, and Ar because they didn't produce after their own kind. They didn't make a son, a disciple. Turn with me to Matthew 28. If the very first command of God was To be fruitful, develop the potential of the of that which is around you. Give birth to children, raise them in the things of God, make disciples. What is the next commission that Jesus would give the New Testament believers? Well, let's take a look here at Matthew 28. Would you believe that Matthew 28 is the same exact command? that God gave Adam. Matthew 28, 18. Let's take a look at it. And Jesus came and spake unto them and saying, All power in heaven is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go you therefore and teach all nations. The NIV says, make disciples of all nations. Hold on. Let's let's just stop there. Let's let get me back on the camera. Let's just stop there. Let this just stop there for a minute. Can we take a a, a moment for a a 10 second rabbit trail here? Just just give me a, a second here. The King James says go ye therefore and teach all nations. We 
in the NIV have another version that says, Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations. But what do American missionaries do in our generation? You see, 100, 200 years ago, they did it right. They learned the language, they moved to the countries, and they lived there. And they labored like Hudson Taylor for years amongst the people, learning their culture and their language, and they stayed with them, and they taught them. They made disciples. But now we blow in and we blow out the advent of the airplane and the advent of all the technology has caused us to just blow in and blow out with no plan and agenda for teaching them. No plan and agenda for discipleship making in the mission field. So we find you go to Laos and and I, I'm in the I'm in the little store in Laos on a mission trip there. We're gonna plant a church in Laos. I brought a team of 10 people because the Koreans said they would finance the entire church. So I was in Laos ready to start a church. I brought 10 people. We got the visas secured, the apartments secured. We got everything ready to start a church in Laos. And when we got back, they cut our funding. They said, we changed our mind. We're not going to pay for the church anymore. We're going to go a different direction. Cut the funding off. A country with 100% non-Christians, 99.9% non-Christians, and they cut the funding. How are we going to reach the world if we cut the funding to ministries like ours that actually go where you don't go? But I'm in Laos. And I'm in this little grocery store. I went to get a, a Milo. Milo was a little, little drink. I think it's, I'm not sure who, you know, who makes it. It's a little drink of like barley, oats, and so on. It's a little Milo. And it's, it's bigger in Asia. You don't have too much of that in America, but it's, it's bigger in Asia. Singapore, Africa, they have Milo. Well, that Milo company managed to get to Laos. The Christians haven't managed to go. But Milo, the company, sure did. Oh, yeah, Christians have blown in and blown out, and there's no fruit to show. Because we don't do Matthew 28. We don't do Genesis 1.28. We just blow in and blow out. We don't stay and make disciples, which was what God told us to do, to train them up, to raise them up, to be there with them. So he says here, Go you therefore teaching all nations. So I'm in this in, in this grocery store looking for a little Milo to drink about midnight with a team of 10 people. And I see a statue of one Buddha, statue of another Buddha, statue of another Buddha. I know you in the West think the Buddha's a fat guy, Chinese, smiling, you know, like this. Well, that's just one Buddha. There's many Buddhas, which you'll learn if you ever leave America. And there's many Buddhas there. And then there's a statue of Jesus. And I said, hey, excuse me. I said, I see you got Jesus up there. They said, oh, yes, 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 yes. We love Jesus. I said, really? They said, hey, how did you hear about Jesus? Well, I guess some missionaries had come through and uh, told them about Jesus, and they, and they got them a little statue of Jesus, and they put it right with their other gods. Because when you tell an Asian person about Jesus, 
about another God. They believe in gods. So you tell them about another God, they're, they're so happy. Oh, great. And they accept your God. They pray your sinner's prayer. You go home and show a PPT, raise money at your church, and you talk about, oh, we led 100 souls. Oh, we led 200 souls. Oh, we led 20 souls to Christ. But what you don't know is those same souls that you think you led to the Lord are now burning incense to Buddha and Jesus. Why? Because you didn't stay to disciple them. The command of God was not to go blow in, blow up, and blow out, which is good to raise funds and make uh, uh, pictures and then buy fancy cars and live in big homes as an evangelist and as a Hollywood pastor. That's, that's great. Everyone looks up to you, but you didn't do the job. The job is to be fruitful, to develop the potential of those around you, is to make disciples of all nations, to teach the nations. Make disciples, Onan. Produce after your own kind. He was slew, killed for not doing so. He was removed for not doing so. No one stuck around to teach those Lao people the rest of the Bible. Just accept Jesus and you'll be saved. And they left. Now they're praying to Buddha, Allah, and Jesus. Go you therefore and teach all nations. Let's get back to this verse here. Go you therefore and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Holy Ghost, the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. This, the Great Commission. The commission that God gave Adam the commission that God gave called Abraham. He said, I chose Abraham because he would teach his children. He would father, to be father, spiritual father, physical father. To you that have physical seed, the Bible says if you do not provide for your seed, if you don't provide for your household, if you don't father your household, you are worse than infidel. You know, there's preachers out there that have kids with other women. And it's a secret. The Bible says that they're worse than an infidel. Even though you call them prophet so-and-so or pastor so-and-so. They're worse than an infidel. If you don't take care of your own seed, your own children. And then you have your spiritual children. Because God doesn't want the body of Christ to remain children. Your spirit bearing witness at your children. The DNA test will bear witness that, yeah, you've been born again. But until you're trained to be led by the Spirit of God, to be matured in the things of God, you've not been fathered. You've not been discipled. And that's God's first command, is for us to make disciples. Let's take a look here at Mark. 16, 15. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Go and make disciples. 
We are in the season of purging. Nobody is without sin. The Bible says that if anybody claims that, that, that you have no sin, you're a liar and the truth's not in you. But R and Onan, their sin was not unlike many other people's sin, except the fact that their sin got in the way of the plan of God. And so it, it cost them their lives. You better make sure that your ministry and your, 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 your activity and your function in the body of Christ and in the church is not in the line of fire, my friend. You better make sure that you have disciples. You better make sure that you're important enough to God's plan on earth and not getting in the way of God's plan because you're the you're a you're a disciple maker. You're a carrier of the gospel. You're a soul winner. The Bible says he that winneth souls is wise. But the command Let me tell you this, you haven't won a soul. You have not won a soul until that soul is serving God, established and rooted serving God. You've just planted a seed. Until they've been established and, and serving God, we want to we tally up the numbers. And you know how many? There are millions of people that have, that, have, that have been forced into a sinner's prayer, have answered altar calls, and they're, they're totally satanic serving the devil. Because they've not been discipled. The commission is not just to preach, but the commission is to teach them to observe all things, to make disciples. And John promises us, let, let me go back there for you. Every tree that does not bear fruit, he will take it away. Later on in this chapter, it says that men will gather those trees and throw them into fire. That is a picture of the angels casting souls into the, in, into, into the abyss, into hell. And then he says every branch that's bringing forth some fruit, he's going to purge that they can bear more fruit. I want to ask you a question, and this is going to be a heavy question. This is going to be a I, I gave you a heavy revy earlier today, but now I'm going to give you a heavy. And you don't have to answer it. I don't want you to answer it right now. But I want you to ask yourself right now with me. The first command God gave Adam was to make disciples. We saw that Onan and R, their sin, was the fact that they would not produce a disciple after their own kind. They would not produce a seed after their own kind. We find the first commission, the last greatest command that Jesus gave was to make disciples, teach people all things, mentor them to see them through. Jesus said, if you do what I say, then you're my disciple. And the last thing he said is go and make disciples. I want to ask you a question. This is going to be 
this is going to be a, 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 a hard question for you. Why? For a couple of you, no. But for almost everybody, it's going to be a hard question. Why? It's because you're not a disciple of Christ. That's why. You are not a disciple of Christ. That is why. And I'm going to tell you to it hard and strong. It's a fact. You need to wake up. If you don't have any disciples, you are not a disciple. So let me ask you a question. How many disciples do you have right now? How many people are you teaching the Word of God to? How many people are you their overseer? You're meeting with them, maybe having coffee with them to, to disciple them. I know you have peers. Everyone has peers. They all hang out and go out to eat and fellowship and have coffee and this and that. You have peers. How many disciples do you have? I know 18-year-old girls in Ho Chi Minh City that have more disciples than 99% of all the Christians in America. They have five, six, seven, eight disciples that they're teaching the Bible to and they're meeting with and teaching them the word of God and praying, ministering to and calling online, email, discipling even, uh, even people in, in different countries. And they're teenagers. 99% of the American Christians, charismatic Pentecostal Christians have no disciples. My question to you, and you don't have to tell me, is how many disciples do you have? How many people are you encouraging, ministering to, teaching the Word of God to? How many disciples do you have? And if you have to honestly answer to yourself none, then you are not a disciple. You're not bearing any fruit. The trees that don't bear fruit God says he's going to throw them away. You might, you know, be in church and in the end be thrown away. And those who do have some disciples, I have a couple of disciples, I'm not off the hook either because he's going to purge me until I can bear forth more fruit. See, the purging of God is a good thing because he wants you to be more fruitful. He wants you to produce disciples after your own kind. And a non-producing Christian is a, a dead branch. A dead branch in the body of Christ. Are you a dead, dry branch? Because a dead, dry branch is only good for one thing, for the fire. And you might have to go through the fire to get purified, to deal with those selfish, self-consumed, vain, glory life of Onan. He was so self-consumed with vain glory that he couldn't produce disciples. He was busy trying to build his ministry. That he'd blow in and blow out, preach to the masses and leave, and nobody really gets saved because he was so busy building his, his mailing list and his donor list. Vainglory.
but had no disciples. Then you got R, who was so busy fulfilling the lust of his flesh that he couldn't make disciples. He couldn't give birth to a seed. So he's good nothing but for the fire. The fire purifies to burn out the selfishness, to burn out the lusts, to burn out the, the vain glory, to burn out the 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 the, the money motive so that we would get back to what we're supposed to do and that seek and save those who are lost to make disciples. I'm going to give you two quotes to remember today as we finish today's message on the purge. Next week will be the purge part two. Number one, if you are not making disciples, you are not a disciple. Number one. Number two, you're not a disciple of Christ. Number two, the sign of a mature believer is that you sacrifice your personal time to minister to others. The sign of a mature believer is that you sacrifice your time to disciple others. Those are two quotes I'm going to leave you with today. We have a few comments here. Uh, Melissa says, praise God. She says, I have eight people. Uh, I, I don't want to embarrass anybody, so I don't uh, uh, pressure anyone to give those numbers, but 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 praise God, you have eight. Praise God. Gloria says, I've lost count. Hallelujah. Great, great. And I believe it. I believe it here. Praise God. Uh, Melissa King says, I have been through the fire. The best thing God did for me, he purged me so that I can bear fruit. Amen. Amen. And I've, I, and th those that are bearing fruit is the one he purges. Hallelujah. So if you're going through a purge and it's not because he's upset or forsaken you, it's because he's, he's getting rid of the, the bad stuff so you can bear forth more fruit. And that God is purging me too. Hallelujah. And he's reminding me of, the, of our purpose and main mission is to make disciples, to, to not just go and, and make people uh, twist their arm to the say a sinner's prayer and then leave them back to their heroin, but to get them out of the mess and clean them up and teach them the word of God and, and create them in the image and likeness of ourselves to reproduce after our own kind. We have a comment here. Gloria says, yes, sir, and amen, amen. We love everybody here today, and we, we thank you for, for coming in on this uh, broadcast, part 1.2 of The Purge. And I just want to let you know, lastly, in, in finishing Ephesians 4.12, says that God gave the apostles, the prophets, evangelists, and teachers to perfect the saints, to edify the body, to train and prepare the body of Christ, you, the saints, for the work of the ministry. That is our role, is to prepare you to be disciple makers. But you are the ones that need to reproduce after your own kind. Sheep beget sheep. And the pastor's job is to teach you how to be a disciple and how to make disciples. That's our role. And we're, we're we, you know, we are be responsible to God for that. And it's my pleasure to make disciples out of all nations. And we're continuing daily to pour into the nations. Uh, this Friday morning, 
We'll be up early, 7 a.m. I'll be up in Mongolia, and I'm going to be training and teaching uh, a large group of pastors and some non-pastors. Uh, we're going to be having a healing and deliverance service on Zoom in Mongolian language. We're going to be cashing out devils, healing cancer, uh, ridden people. Uh, we're going to be preaching and teaching the word in Mongolia at 7 a.m. And uh, we have some new technology that we're going to be rolling out that will uh, th they'll be able to hear me in Mongolian, which is going to be quite amazing. And so we're excited about the tools that God's given us in this season to help us make disciples in the nations. And we want you to be a part of making disciples by being a blessing to this ministry. And so here we have uh, Melissa King said, you're doing an amazing job. Thank you, Melissa. We love you. And you are too. Amen. Gloria says, Jayo, Jayo. Let me, <laughs> amen. Thank you, uh, Joseph. So be a blessing to the ministry. You can uh, sow using Zelle. You can cash app through Zelle. Our email, as you see on the screen, is nfcontact at gmail.com. You can also sow using cash app. At all, looks like All Nations Tulsa, dollar sign All Nations Tulsa. You can also give via PayPal, and that will help us to get the gospel to the four corners of the earth, to Laos, to Mongolia, to China, to Philippines. And that's what this ministry is about here in Tulsa. We're about those nations, those non-Christian people. That's who we're about. And so you could give also through PayPal at the River Church Tulsa. You can sow and partner with us, and partnership is the only way we're going to be able to do this. So we uh, encourage you to give. We rebuke that demon that says somebody else will give. That's a lying demon, and that demon is, is, is held back and bound this ministry. Uh, that, that spirit has told people somebody else will do it, so you don't do it. And we rebuke that in Jesus' name. We cast that devil out and know God is speaking to you to sow. And you, we made it as easy as possible, the, the, as possibly as we can, to do so. So uh, we love you. We appreciate spending this time with you. And we'll be back next week. I think next Tuesday we'll be on the purge too, going into this lesson on being purged to bear forth more fruit. <laughs>
he was raised from the dead. From this day forward, I belong to you. Wash me in the blood. Forgive my sins. Send your spirit in my heart. From this day forward, I have new life. I have boldness to share the gospel with others. And Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Amen. If you said that prayer, I want you to contact the ministry. You could Facebook us. You could email us. You could Instagram us. We're, we're on all those platforms. Bishop Joseph Castillo. Just go to our Facebook, Instagram, whatever. Email me if you want. Bishop at the RiverChurchTulsa.com. And we'd like to give you a free gift so you can understand this new walk with Christ that God has given you today. It's my book called Reality or Religion, The Beginner's Guide to Faith. We'll send you a copy. If this broadcast has blessed you, I want you to share it with others. And I want you to also partner with our ministry. Help us carry the good news of the gospel across the earth. And you can do so at theriverchurchtulsa.com or asiarevival.com. Once again, that's asiarevival.com or theriverchurchtulsa.com. If you need prayer, feel free to call us at 773-599-7197.